Hello there. Welcome to another life transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwe Tachero. Let's go to the book of Luke. The book of Luke chapter 2. And today I have a very powerful message. I hope you're ready to be blessed. And the title of my message today is how to get married in one week. Please, before you get excited, it was a joke. This is a Christmas season. I just wanted to get your attention. Now that I have your attention, the subject of my message today is the joy of glad tidings. The joy of glad tidings or good tidings. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. I hope I've not disappointed you by changing the title of my message. Hmm? Is your neighbor okay with the change of the title? Look at their faces. Are they still happy? Uh-huh. Beautiful. All right. Let's turn to our feet as we read this powerful portion of scripture here. Luke chapter 2 from verse 8. The Bible says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward man. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven, that the shepherds say to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. So you must be careful when you call somebody babe. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who had it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as was told them. Amen. So as I said, the title of my message is The Joy of Good Tidings. Somebody say, The Joy of Good Tidings. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment that you've granted to us. I pray that you use me to communicate your word to your people, even as we celebrate the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ.
several years ago, many years ago. Father, we are here because Jesus came. We are here because Jesus was born on this earth that he may save humanity. So let our hearts be open to receive the word that you have for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated in the presence of God. Add some bass a little bit for me and reduce some mead. Mead is too much. Makes me feel like I have a cold and I don't have a cold. So just tune that and give me some highs a little bit. Just make it very good. So that you may enjoy your Christmas. So in our text, we encounter the first angel evangelist under the gospel dispensation. It is important that we may have an angel announce the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ because the grandest and last of all evangels will be proclaimed by an angel when he shall blow the trumpet, the trumpet of the resurrection and the children of regeneration shall rise into the fullness of their joy. So it was important that we have the angel introduce Jesus as he was coming into the world as a child because it will take an angel again to introduce the coming of Jesus not as a child but as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Ladies and gentlemen, this story here is a story of joy. The coming of Jesus is a story of joy. The bathing of Jesus through Mary is a story of joy. God allowing Jesus to come and put on flesh and live amongst us. His name is Emmanuel. God with us is a story of joy. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's a story of joy. People imagine that Christianity is only about gloom, is only about seriousness, and there are people who think the more serious you are, the more deep you are as a Christian. So their faces are contorted and they change their voices. And sometimes the way we package Christianity is not very attractive to the people out there. Because they think Christianity is boring. They think Christianity is bland, is flat. There is no joy. There is no celebration. There is no happiness in Christianity. That's why some people, when they come to church, they put on a very sad face. Because they think they are going to a very sad religion. No wonder they can't even say amen. They are very quiet in church. And when they hear people shouting in church, they think those people are mad. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I'm not mad. I'm just enjoying being in the house of God. You go to some churches and they're practically dead. Nobody says amen. Nobody raises their hand. Nobody responds to the preaching. The way some of you are not responding to my preaching this morning. You are so boring. As if Jesus is dead. News flash. Jesus is not dead. I say Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He is the resurrection on life. Hallelujah. 
So touch your neighbor and tell them Christianity is not boring. You're the one who makes it look boring. So this message that we are preaching today is a message of joy. Jesus coming on earth is all about joy. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Christianity is a joyful movement. I need to say that again. Christianity is a joyful movement. And that's why when you look at the keynote message of this angelic evangel, it's all about joy. Bible says, the angel says, I bring unto you good tidings of great joy. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's great joy. I know you don't have a Christmas dress, but this message should elicit joy in your heart. I know maybe you don't know the next meal where it's going to come from, but this message should elicit joy in your heart. I know maybe you're not able to travel to go to Dubai or Paris or South Africa. You're only seeing people posting photos of them being in, in Dubai, in Paris, in South Africa. But even in Nairobi, you can have joy because of this message of Jesus Christ. As I preach, may you receive joy in this service. May your heart be elated with this message. Shout a louder, amen. So this was the prelude to the introduction of Jesus to the shepherds. And it was all about joy. And it was also the aftermath of the evangel. So that means joy was both at the beginning and at the end of this message. The coming of Jesus was preceded by joy. And also the second coming of Jesus will be preceded by joy. That's why when we think about his second coming, we are excited. Because we'll be out of this place. A place of diseases and sicknesses, taxes, bad roads, difficulties, challenges, broken hearts, typhoid, malaria, rent, landlord, Hallelujah. Caretaker <laughs> with many keys. Keys to your house, keys to the toilet, keys to the gate. Controlling your life left, right, and center. I thank God there is no caretaker up there to control our lives. So this is a message of joy. Tell your neighbor it's a message of joy. So him coming is joyful. Him coming to be born is joyful. And I want us to look at, you know, this message, which is the message of joy, the joy of good tidings that the angel brought on earth. So I'm going to give you four very powerful principles to help you understand the joy of good tidings. So the joy of good tidings, the spectrum of the joy of good tidings, number one, is fearless joy. Somebody say fearless joy. Say it again, fearless joy. You see, nature fears in the presence of God. Every time the supernatural invades the natural, the response is fear. A supernatural encounter evokes fear from mortals. 
when we experience the supernatural, when the angel appears to you, when angels visit you in your house or in your car or in your living room. I know some of you might not understand this because you have never had an encounter with an angel. But if an angel appears to you, your natural response will be fear. May you experience angelic visitations in Jesus' name. Or can you imagine if Jesus appears to you? Huh? You will not be cool, calm, and collected. You will fall on your feet. You will fall to the ground. You will fall at his feet out of fear and reverence, isn't it? So when you look at even the Bible, you can see that when the people or the characters in the Bible had an angelic, you know, encounter, a supernatural encounter, their natural response was fear. For example, there's a guy called Manoah. You know, when an angel appeared to him to talk to him about his son, Samson, the Bible says he said to his wife, because the angel had appeared to the wife, I think twice, and then I appeared to him as well. And he said to his wife, we shall surely die because we have seen God. So you can see that that statement is loaded, you know, with fear. Judges chapter 13 verse 22. Moses as well, when he had an encounter with the supernatural, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 21 that, and so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I am exceedingly afraid and trembling. Moses, the man of God who was speaking to God face to face, he never got used to the presence of God. He never got used to the power of God. When God appeared to him, he trembled and he was exceedingly afraid. John, the revelator in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 17, when he saw Jesus, because Jesus introduced himself to him as the Alpha and Omega, the Bible says he fell at his feet as dead, but he laid his hands on me saying to him, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. He fell down and it's like he passed out when he had an encounter with the supernatural. When you look at the law itself, it served to deepen this feeling. Since man was sinful and the law came into the world to reveal sin, it made men fear and tremble in the presence of the supernatural because the aftermath will be death. And that's why when the angel appeared to the shepherds, the same, same tradition was still at play. When the angels were, uh, you know, confronted or when the, uh, when, when the angels, you know, had an encounter, sorry, when the shepherds had an encounter with the angels, they were afraid. They were scared. In Luke chapter 2 verse 9, the Bible says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Because this was the trend. This was the tradition that when mortal men had an encounter with the supernatural, the natural response was fear. But I'm so glad that the gospel brought the end to this. The angelic evangelist said in verse 10, Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. So in other words, whereas the law introduced fear into man, the good news was introduced to the world to dispel fear. That's why the angel was telling the shepherds, it's a new dispensation. Something new is happening. From now on, those who 
believe in Jesus Christ don't have to be afraid. In fact, they should crave being in the presence of God. They should desire being in the presence of God. So the redeemed is not to fear when God unveils the splendor of his majesty. He should, in fact, embrace him as a father because a relationship has been established between him and God. You see, that's why the Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. When you're in a relationship with God, you don't fear being in his presence the way people feared in the Old Testament. The only fear you have is the holy fear, which is reverence to God. But you don't fear the way you fear a snake. Do you know a snake? You don't know a snake? Should I pray you meet one? <laughs> Can you imagine making, waking up in the morning and you discover that you have spent the whole night with a snake in your bed? Will you not be afraid? You will really be afraid, isn't it? So that is not the kind of fear I'm talking about here. When you are in a relationship with God, I am telling you, it dispels fear. And instead of running away from God, instead of running away from the supernatural, you find yourself craving to experience the supernatural. You find yourself craving to be in the presence of God. The angelic evangelist said, I bring you good tidings. And that alone introduced joy in the hearts of the shepherds. And not only good tidings of joy, but good tidings of great joy. The gospel, ladies and gentlemen, is intended to promote and abundantly create the greatest possible joy in the human heart wherever it is received. Why? Because now we have the great privilege of not running from the presence of God, but actually stepping into his presence and communing with him. Can I hear an amen? That's why the shepherds were told, go and be in his presence. Run and be in his presence. When you're redeemed, you automatically begin to crave for the presence of God. And when you step in the presence of God, the Bible says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. That's why I'm telling you, this, this joy of good tidings is fearless joy. You crave for his presence. And the more you step into his presence, the more you experience joy. The more you dwell in the presence of God, the more you experience his joy. I don't know about you, but I want his joy to flood my soul 24-7. I want his joy to surround me. Because let me tell you, if you bank on worldly things to give you joy, you will be disappointed. But when you step into his presence, the joy of the Lord... Will forever, be, will forever be with you. And it is fearless joy because you're not running away from his presence, but you are running into his presence. You are running to your father. You are running to your savior. You are like the prodigal son. You turn around and say, I am going back to my father because that is where I belong. This morning, as we celebrate Christmas, may you experience fearless joy in your heart in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. No wonder there is a singer who sang a song. I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child 
of God I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child of God Was your neighbor singing? What is this joy of glad tidings? The joy of glad tidings is not just fearless joy, but number two, it is everlasting joy. It is everlasting joy. Ladies and gentlemen, we need this joy because it is everlasting. Hallelujah. It has no beginning, it has no end. It is everlasting joy. You see, the earth is full of variables. What are variables? Variables are things that are liable to change. There's a lot of change in the world. That's why after every five years, there is change of government. Or after every ten years, there is change of government. Isn't it? Our politics keep changing. True or not true? A party can be very powerful today, but tomorrow it's so weak. Someone can be very powerful today, but tomorrow is a shell of his former self. Things do change a lot in the world. Laws do change in the world. That's why we have members of parliament. They keep on changing laws, adjusting laws, improving on laws, removing this law, putting this law. They keep changing. The climate keeps changing, isn't it? El Nino, sometimes it's dry. There's famine and stuff like that. But also friends can change. People do change. Look, one of the things I've realized as I grow older, people can change. Look at and tell them, you, don't finish the statement, just leave it. People do change. Amen. But they, even you, you, cha- you are changing. Isn't it? If you don't believe me, look at your elbow. It is changing, isn't it? With time, look at your neck. It's changing, isn't it? Then with time, look at this side, where the tricep is. With time, it becomes chubby yeah if you shake you see it is it is really moving it used to be firm but with time isn't it we go deeper or we stop there just tell your neighbor i'm changing yeah many more contours on your face your forehead used to be very smooth very very smooth that even when you're greening nobody can see the wrinkles but now the wrinkles are natural. It's because you are, you are changing. Tell your neighbor, I'm changing. Tell them again, I'm changing. There are areas in your body that are very defiant. No matter what you do. Very, very defiant. Yeah. They can be here for six months. And if you just relax a little bit. Anyway, let's just move on. Because you're like you're pretending you don't know what I'm talking about. But look at the neighbor and tell them there are a lot of changes in the world that we're living in. Now, when these changes take place, we are affected in one way or another. Because the world is full of variables. History, ladies and gentlemen, is replete with stories about change that made companies or even individuals file for bankruptcy. We've seen people who are up there And because of wrong moves, they filed for bankruptcy. 
Somebody was rich yesterday, today is no, is no longer rich. A company was doing very well 10 years ago. Right now, it doesn't exist. Changes. Somebody shout, changes. But the gospel that was brought by the angels introduces a precious commodity in the world in the midst of a myriad of changes. And this precious commodity is joy. I say this precious commodity is joy. And it's not just joy, it is everlasting joy. It is lasting joy. A joy which will ring all down the ages, the echoes of which shall be heard until the trumpet activates the resurrection and ushers us to eternal state of joy. Luke calls it a great joy. This means the magnitude is immeasurable. You cannot quantify it. You cannot limit it. It is immeasurable because it is great joy. And this joy is great because it's not dependent on variables. It's not dependent on circumstances. It's not dependent on what you're going through. You might be in this service and you're going through a lot. You might be in this service and your house is on fire. But this joy is not dependent on your circumstances. This joy is introduced by the coming of Jesus Christ. The gospel, which is the introduction of Jesus to the human race, is the introduction of everlasting joy. That the world can be on fire, but as long as you have received the gift that God has brought into the world, wrapped in Jesus, as you receive that gift, you actually receive everlasting joy. You can be going through hell, Things are not working. Things are tight. Things are difficult. But as long as you receive the gift, because when you're given a gift, all you need to do is to receive it. When you receive the gift in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you that gift triggers joy in your heart. You might not be happy, but you have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. You might not be smiling, but you have the joy of the Lord, which is your strength. Can I hear an amen? amen? This joy is jubilant love. This joy is inner exuberance. This joy is not dependent on external stimuli. This joy is brought about by the gift. And that gift, the gift that is given to the world by God, and that gift is Jesus Christ. Receive the gift this morning. I say receive this gift this morning. Because this gift activates joy in our lives. Why is this joy everlasting? This joy is everlasting because sin had separated man from God. But the incarnation will bridge the separation and reunite the two for eternity. God will be in alliance with man. Not just here on earth, but in eternity future as well. We are calling it everlasting because it is not joy that will be limited to this earth. But this joy will transcend death and catch up with us when we step into eternity. That's why the angel said, unto you is born this day a savior. So this was not just a child that was born on earth. 
This is a savior. A savior that was coming to deliver man from the clutches of sin. A savior that was, was coming to position man to be accepted by God. A savior that was coming to position man to receive joy that was not going to be limited here on earth, but joy that was going to transcend death and catch up with him in eternity future. And because we are going to be in heaven for many, many years, is actually infinity, that joy will still be with us. That's why it is everlasting joy. If I can take you back, I want you to understand that God had visited the earth before. But he didn't visit the earth as a savior. He had visited Sodom at nightfall and unleashed judgment to this sinful city. It was, ladies and gentlemen, a horrific visitation. God had visited the earth before. He had come with an earthquake, thundering, lightning flashes, and sound of the trumpet on the mount of Sinai when the children of Israel had gathered and they were not ready to face God. The Bible says the people were filled with fear. God had come before in the church, in the book of Acts, and somebody actually died. Ananias and Sapphira died, and there was a lot of fear in the church. But in this instance, he's coming as a savior. Why is he coming as a savior? He's coming as a savior so that he may introduce everlasting joy to those who will receive the gift, believe in the gift, embrace the gift. And this joy will not just be limited here on earth, but this joy will be with us forever and ever in eternity future. Hallelujah. As a savior, he's a man full of mercy. To initiate a marriage between man and God. And in this marriage, man is going to experience everlasting joy. Instead of judgment, instead of condemnation, instead of gloom and doom, man will receive everlasting joy. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know that Jesus came so that he may connect us with God. Some of you might never understand what connection is, but I remember when we were young and we were in school, there were people who were even suggesting if they could connect you to a certain boy or to a certain girl. Because they could see that you were interested with that person, but you didn't have pickup lines. You didn't know what to do. You didn't know what to say. You didn't know how to approach the girl. And so they wanted to be connectors coming in between the two of you. So you give them a message. Please talk to me. I wish I had real people here. So you take to the pastor and say, I want you to go and tell the girl this. Yeah? And then the guy, the guy goes, goes, goes and tells the girl, you know that guy there? That guy that is wearing a red trouser. He wore that trouser just for you. And then he asked the girl, so what should I tell him? Then the girl tells the guy, go and tell him tomorrow to wear a white trouser. If he wears a white trouser, I will know he's serious. Then the connector goes back to this guy and says, the girl looks like he's interested. But she's not sure. She says, tomorrow if you wear a white trouser, she will believe that you are serious. But because you are really serious about this thing, 
you tell this connector, I will not wait until tomorrow. Go and tell the girl, I am going to change. And wear a white trouser immediately. That is what Jesus became to us. There was a feud between man and God. And Jesus came as a connector. To connect man and to God. To make sure that man is married to God. And this marriage will not just end here on earth. This marriage will be consummated in heaven. It will be climaxed in heaven. When we shall have the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we shall have joy for eternity. Because in every wedding I see joy. Come on, talk to me. I say in every wedding I see joy, isn't it? So we are going to experience everlasting joy here on earth. And we are going to experience everlasting joy in heaven as well. Why? Because a savior was born. A savior has been born. A savior came here on earth to be born. So that man can be connected to God. I, I think we need to appreciate our Savior, Jesus Christ. He, 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 he came as a connector between God and man. Praise the Lord. So we don't wait until we get to heaven to be joyful. The joy begins now. Tell your neighbor, the joy begins now. Hey, you're not talking to your neighbor. I don't know why. Tell your neighbor, the joy begins now. Even without a new dress, the joy begins now. Without a hearty meal, the joy begins now. Without traveling to an exotic destination, the joy begins now. We don't have to wait until we get to heaven. Hallelujah. There's a song I heard that my joy is in heaven. My house is in heaven. My land is in heaven. My car is in heaven. My children are in heaven. What about here? Me, I believe my car is here. My land is here. My children are here. My joy is here. Are you like me? Receive this joy as well in the name of Jesus. And receive all the blessings that the salvation we have received will trigger into our lives to bring joy here on earth in Jesus' name. Shout aloud, amen. Lift your hands and say, I receive joy. Here on earth, before I get to heaven, to continue enjoying joy. Hallelujah. So, ease up and enjoy. Hallelujah. Yeah. Tell you never change your six o'clock face and enjoy this joy here. Glory to God. Some of you are seated next to very serious neighbors. Turn to your neighbor and ask your neighbor, what is wrong with you? Are you okay? Enjoy joy here on earth. It is everlasting joy. Hallelujah. Can I have joyful people give God praise in this house? Joyful people give God a shout in this house. It's everlasting joy. Wow. Number three. The joy of glad tidings or the joy of good tidings is not just fearless joy. 
is not just everlasting joy, but it is targeted joy. It is targeted joy. The joy of good tidings is not aimless. The joy of good tidings is not without a target. God, when he sent Jesus, he was very specific why he sent Jesus. When God sent Jesus to come and be born here on earth, his mission was clear and his target was clear. And this target wasn't animals. This target wasn't plants. This target wasn't buildings. God's target was human beings. It was you and I. Look at your neighbor and tell them, it was you and I. Verse 11, the Bible says, for there is born to you. There is born to you. King James puts it this way, unto you, unto you, unto you. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Another verse says, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, for unto you is born this day. So Jesus didn't just come as a local tourist. To come and tour the earth and go back. He was on a mission. He was on target. He targeted human beings. That's why he appointed 12 people. He didn't appoint 12 trees. He targeted human beings. He came for human beings. He came for you and I. He died for you and I. This is targeted joy. God wanted the human race to experience joy. God wanted the human race to have an experience of this joy. So tell your neighbor, this joy is for you. That's why you see the joy began with the shepherds. And the Bible says it's for all men. Humans are the main reason for this spectacular occurrence. Human beings are the main reason why Jesus came. Human beings are the main reason why Jesus had to humble himself, get into the womb of a woman by the name Mary, and be born on this earth. Went through what, what he went through just because of you and I. I like what one preacher said, that even if you are the only person on earth, Jesus could still have come. Because God had set his eyes on you, and he said, this is the creature I want to target so that it may experience joy. But you might be here, and you're listening to me, and you're saying, Pastor, but you don't know my life. I am poor. But the Bible says the poor have the gospel preached unto them. You might say, but pastor, I am unknown. My name is not big. But the Bible doesn't even give us the names of these shepherds. We don't know their names. We just know they were shepherds. And in those days, shepherds literally could spend time with the animals. So they didn't even maybe have houses. 
where to stay. I didn't have a place where they could put down their heads because they were always on alert to protect their sheep. So they were sleeping in the fields with the sheep, with the animals. So even if you say, I am not known, I'm not very rich, I want you to know that the gospel will still reach you where you are. Hallelujah. Well, you might say, oh, I, I, I was not really educated. You know, yesterday I was talking to someone, he was telling me that I, 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 I don't have a lot of education. But we don't know which school they went to. But still the gospel reached them. Hallelujah. Part of the disciples that were appointed by Jesus, they were foolish Galileans. They didn't go to school. So this, this, this gospel targets everybody. Hallelujah. And look at these shepherds. The message was so simple. You know, they didn't, it's like they didn't need a lot of intelligence to understand the message. You know, there were simple shepherds, yet they understood the message and the instruction that came from the angel. What amazes me is that preachers are trying to make the gospel very complicated. And it's a very simple message. That's why you go to church and somebody preaches and you don't understand what they say. Why are you making it complicated? Yet God himself has made it simple that even the shepherds could understand the message. Simple people taking care of sheep. Didn't even have time to go to school. Didn't even have time to work on their mental prowess, but they could understand the message. Why are we complicating things and making things very difficult? You know, one day I was in a service and there was this preacher who was preaching. And I'm a pastor. That's the caveat. I'm a pastor. And I'm in this meeting. And the man preached. He preached until he came off the stage and he was close to the congregation and preached. At the end of the service, I asked myself, what did he say? And I'm a pastor. I could not understand what he said. I, I thought I was the only one. So I asked other pastors, did you understand anything? They said, no. So I started asking myself, if the pastors did not understand, how, how about the sheep? How about the sheep? Because I think pastors are deeper than the sheep. Even though some of you don't think that way. You always think the sheep is deeper than the pastor, isn't it? I mean, if the shepherds could understand this message, then we should make sure that everybody understands this message. Because this is targeted joy. God targeted human beings, whether poor or rich, whether literate or illiterate, whether weak or strong, whether single or married, whether male or female, whether white or, or black, God targeted the human race. Verse 14 says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men, toward men. All of us. And that word man has been used in generic sense to mean all of us. All of us are recipients of this message. All of us have qualified 
to enjoy the benefits of this message. And one of the benefits of this message is joy. God was sending his, Jesus, his, his son Jesus Christ so that all of us can experience this joy. Regardless of your social standing, regardless of the monies that you have in your pocket or in your bank account, regardless of your gender, regardless of your tribe, regardless of your pigmentation, regardless of your education, you are the one that God targeted, sending Jesus to be born. Then that tells me you're very precious. It tells me that you're very important in the eyes of God. Even if people don't think you're important, in the eyes of God, you're very important. In the eyes of God, a soul is a soul. Whether literate or illiterate, is still a soul and is precious before God. Hallelujah. Touch your neighbor and tell them you are precious in the sight of God. Well, you might say, oh, so pastor, you mean that the wise are not supposed to hear this gospel? No. It is all men. Somebody shout, all men. Luke 2, 14 says, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward all men. The wise also had the privilege to hear this message. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 3. The Bible says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. Even the wise saw the star. Talk to me, somebody. So it's not just for the poor. It's not just for the illiterate. It's also for the wise. The wise saw the star. And they said, we have come to worship him. They followed the star. And the star brought them to where Jesus was. And they worshipped him. Not only that, when Herod the king heard this, he was also troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. So everybody had the message. It is their response that was different. When Herod heard the message, he was troubled. When the wise men saw the star, they said, let us go and worship him. When the shepherds heard the message, they said, we have to go there and see. All men heard, because this message is for all of us. Tell your neighbor, it's for all of us. Why is it for all of us? Because God wants all of us to experience joy. That tells me I might be poor, but if I receive this message, I will have joy. I might not have gone to school, but if I receive this message, I will have joy. I might be highly educated, and the education is not giving me joy, but when I receive this message, I will receive joy. I might have a lot of money, very rich, very wealthy, and I'm not deriving my joy from the monies that I have, but when I receive this message, I will have joy. Because this is special joy. This morning as we celebrate Christ, May you experience this special joy in your heart. The joy that God wanted you to have through Jesus Christ. May you experience it in your heart and in your mind this morning. Shout aloud, amen. amen. So the gospel is for all men. That's why our churches should have all types of people. Mm -hmm. Black and white, short and tall. People of all tribes should be in our churches. I don't know the revelation people have to have a Kikuyu church. 
to have a Luya church, to have a Luo church. I don't know which kind of revelation they I'm still trying to understand what kind of revelation they have. But I believe a church will have all types of people. Kikuyu should be there, Luo should be there, Titus should be there, Kambas should be there. It should be a church for all nations, all people, because this message is for all people. Hallelujah. I say this message is for all. I feel resistance. I, I, I bind the spirit of tribalism in the name of Jesus. I bind it in Jesus' name. I throw it out of this church in Jesus' name. I say the church will be for all people, all tribes, all nations, all colors. Shout a louder, amen. The rich and the poor should mix in the church. I think I should move closer. I say the rich and the poor should mix, should mix in the church. Male and female should mix in the church. Different tribes, 42 plus tribes in this country, should mix in the church. Are we together, somebody? People from all walks of life should blend very well in the church. Why? Because we only have one blood that is connecting us. And that is the blood of Jesus. We only have one message that is connecting us. And that is the message of Jesus Christ. He is our connector. He is the glue that glues our hearts together. Hallelujah. Jesus is the reason why we are here. Not our tribes. Not our social standing. Not the monies that we have in our pockets. The cross is the equalizer. Jesus is the equalizer. That's why I love the church. Because all of us are equal before the sight of God. Yeah, I'm so glad I'm in the church. And many of us, you're so glad you're in the church. Because I'm telling you, when you go out there, the things they use to give value to you, some of those things you don't have. Oh, Yes. That's why in the family meetings, you are never given a chance to speak. They only give a chance for, to, to speak for, 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 to, to, to those who have a little money. I'm saying the truth. You don't like the truth, but I'm saying the truth. There are places where if you're not married, they can never listen to you. They will never listen to you. But if you come with somebody, you're holding hands. They say, okay, <clears throat> give, us, give us your comments. What do you think about? But if you come just the way you are, single like a biscuit, nobody will want to listen to you. But thank God for the church. When we come to the church, we are all equal before the sight of God. Oh, I wish I had some witness in this. We are all equal in the sight of Equal, equal. And God treats all of us equally. Because of one message, the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel of good tidings. Hallelujah. Yeah, there are places when you go with your car, nobody will want to listen to you. Yeah, nobody will want to listen to you. I know what I'm talking about. I have two cars. One is glamorous, one is not. I go to the same place and I receive different treatment when I use the different cars. Yeah. There's one when I go with it, nobody asks me any questions. In fact, there is even salute. Welcome. 
Welcome, your parking is reserved. I go to the same place with another car. They tell me, come out. Come out of the car. I'm a suspect. Come out of the car. Open the boot. They open the boot. They use that machine to check underneath the car. It's the same person. The following day, I come, I go to the place, the same place with a different car. They don't even check me. They say, oh. Your parking is reserved. Look at how we judge people. Look at how we value people. Look at how we take people. I'm so glad that God doesn't value us like that. God is different. That's why I love the child. We are all equal. We are all accepted. We are all forgiven. We are all, I wish you can praise God for that. We are all loved. He loved us and he loves us the same way. Yes, and he doesn't check your wallet. He doesn't check your skin color. He doesn't check your tribe. It is goodwill to all men. Goodwill to all men. Beautiful. Lastly, the joy of glad tidings is not just fear, less joy. It's not just everlasting joy. It is not just targeted joy. But it is demonstrative joy. This joy has a sign. And the sign is the evidence of authenticity. The sign that the joy of the world had come was this, that they were to go to the manger to find the Christ in it. Christ was the sign. The wise men saw the star, but it was not the sign. The star led them to the sign. The shepherd had the message, but the angels were not the sign. The sign is in verse 12 to 18. The Bible says, and this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with a great, with the angel, a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass. Let's go and see this sign. Because the angels told them, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. When you find the babe, you have found the sign. And so they say, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph. And we saw Mary and Joseph last Sunday, isn't it? It was not easy for them. And the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. They were told, for you to see the sign, you must go to Bethlehem. The joy of good tidings is the demonstrative sign. So he didn't just, you see, the angel didn't just give them a message. It was not an empty message. There was a sign. 
to prove that the message was authentic. There was a sign to demonstrate that the message was actually from God and it was true. That's why they were told you have to go. Make the trip and go. When you find a child there, when you find a babe there wrapped in swaddling clothes, then you are standing right in the presence of a savior, Emmanuel, the savior of the world. But as, 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 as I was reading this, I looked at the message that was given to the angels and indulge your imagination a little bit. I looked at the message that was given by the angel and how it was given to the shepherds. And you can agree with me that the message, the packaging, the presentation was glamorous. That's why the angels were afraid because this was something they had never seen before. And they could see the angels and they were shining full of light, pureness, holiness. And they were giving this message to the shepherds. This was a very glamorous occurrence in the sight of the shepherds. Because I don't think when you just see an angel, you just be there because the angel carries something. He carries an aura of God's glory. So it was a very glamorous appearance to the shepherds. But when they saw the sign. The sign was not glamorous. The setting was that of a child in the manger and a Jewish woman looking on and nursing it and a carpenter who is his surrogate father standing by. No light is shining. They were just there. There was no pomp or color to dazzle the shepherds. There was no glitter of gold or spangel of silver. There was nothing more there than the stable and the straw that the oxen ate. The child was not wrapped in purple and fine linen, asleep in a cradle of gold. He was in the plainest and simplest manner with no crown upon his head. It was a helpless babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, clutching on his mother, a simple maiden of Galilee. But right there, in that simplicity, right there, in that simple cradle, was the hope of the world. This was a concealed sign that only those with discernment, like the wise men and the shepherds, could see. And comprehend the gift that God had brought to the world to save humanity. I'm sure even you, if you could have gone there and looked at the message that was given by the angels and then look at Jesus, you could have doubted. Because how can the message be powerful and the child is not born in Nairobi Hospital? Oh, you're, 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 you're not getting me. How can the message be such a glorious, glamorous message announced by an angel and the child is not born in current hospital? 
prestigious hospital. He's born in a stable, surrounded by animals. No incubator. I think Jesus was relying on the breathing of the animals to provide him warmth. Have you been around animals when they are breathing? Their breath is warm. I mean, these two things were contradictory. The message and the sign. The delivery of the message and the delivery of the package were not telling. And the reason why they were not telling is because God wanted the shepherds and the wise men to have discernment. Many of us, we miss the sign because we are used to pomp and color. We are used to glamour. That's why I say we judge people by the way they look. We judge people by what they possess. We judge people by what they have accumulated. That's why we keep on missing the sign. You know, a story was told of a guy who was drowning. And he prayed and said, oh God, Serve me. And help was not coming. So he climbed at the top of his roof because water was rising. And he prayed and said, Oh God, send an angel to come and save me that I may not drown. And while he was there at the roof of his house, a helicopter came. They dropped a rope that he may catch it, that they may save him. He refused. He kept on praying, Oh God! Send an angel! Another guy came with a boat. Came close to him and said, Come on in! He said, No, 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 no. no. Oh God! Send an angel! sad part of this story is the water kept on rising, rising, rising until the guy drowned and he died. And because he was born again like you and me, he went to heaven. The first thing he did when he got to heaven was to go straight to God. Say, oh God, how can I pray that you save me? And you refuse to save me. I asked you to send one angel. How many angels do you have here? I only asked for one angel to come and save me. And no God, you didn't send an angel to come and save me. And one of the angels came and gave him a few slaps. He said, we sent two angels. One came with a helicopter. Another one came with a boat. But you refused the offer. And many of us are like that. We keep on missing the sign because we are used to pomp and we are used to color. We always want God to come in a certain way. You see, when you look at Matthew chapter 2 verse 11, I don't have time to read, but when the wise men get, got to this room where Jesus was, to the stable where Jesus was, they immediately fell down. They opened their treasures, their gifts, 
frankincense, ma. And they presented to Jesus because they had discernment. They knew the star was not the sign, but it led them to the real sign. He didn't look like God. He looked helpless. He looked weak. He was just there crying, but they had discernment. They knew this is Emmanuel, God with us. Ladies and gentlemen, let's not get lost to food, dresses, traveling, eating chapatis, chicken, nyama choma. What else do you want to do? I hope you're not planning to do bad things. All these things we're planning to do. Let's not lose sight of the sign. Because the sign is not glamorous. Mm -mm. The sign is not glittering like gold. Mm -mm. The sign is not surrounded with silver. No. But the sign is still the source of our joy. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the sign. And when you receive Jesus, you have access to joy. Joy everlasting. May you have discernment. And may you understand why Jesus came. He came that you may have life. And part of that life is joy. And you may have it more abundantly. Somebody say amen. amen. Let's look at this last scripture and then we pray. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18 to 24. This is the last scripture. Tell your neighbor, I hope you not miss the sign. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power. Of God. Why is it foolishness? Because it is not with glamour. There is no gold. There is no silver. It doesn't, it doesn't look glamorous. It's, it's a plain message. You know, one time I was talking to somebody and they was telling me, I don't understand you preachers. Because, I, I mean, I, I understand Safaricom. They sell airtime. They sell, um, they sell internet. I understand banks. They give you money. Oh, they loan you, whatever. What do preachers, you, what do you sell? We don't see what you're selling. What are you giving? For many people, it's foolishness. The message of the cross is foolishness. And it's foolishness to those who are perishing. They don't know they're perishing because they're trying to compare us. They're trying to compare the message of, of the cross with the, with the products that are being offered in the world today. That's why it's foolishness to them. But to us who are being saved, it is the power. In that manger, there was power. I say in that manger, there was power. I say in that manger, there was power. Hmm. Look at the next verse, verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the, the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Verse 20. Let's keep moving quickly. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom 
of this world. That's why Herod, huh? he thought he was wise, but he became foolish. He said, I also want to go and see the child, but he was planning to kill the child. And he sent the wise men to go because he thought he was wiser than God. But the wise men did not go back to him. The Bible says they were warned by God. But let me tell you, even if Herod came to that manger, he could not have touched Jesus. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? Next verse. Hmm. For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness. Jesus being born in a manger. Feels like foolishness. It's like God is broke. He cannot afford a very comfort place for his son to be born in. It is foolishness. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Next verse. Hey. For Jews. Jews are requesting for what? This is not the Jesus that was prophesied about. He was supposed to come with power, strong, powerful. This is not our Messiah. Born in a manger. Surrounded by animals. No, give us another sign. The Jews request for a sign. And the Greeks, go back, the Jews request for a sign. Aye? Go back. Uh, the Jews request a sign. And the Greeks, you know Greeks were learned. The Greeks seek after what? Wisdom. So even Jesus being born in a manger didn't make sense to them. It didn't make sense to them. The Jews wanted something spectacular. Jesus is born. Where is he? Okay, he's here. He's a child. Yeah. Okay, Jesus, grow up right now. And then go back and become a child. They wanted a sign. Something spectacular. The Greeks wanted wisdom. Make me understand how a small child is Emmanuel. Huh. Verse 23. Have I lost you? Have I lost you? Are we together? Make some noise if we are together. Then verse 23. But we preach Christ. Crucified. To the Jews because he's crucified. He's a stumbling block. And to the Greeks because they love knowledge. Is what? Is foolishness. Verse 24. But to those who are called. Are you called? I say are you called? But to us who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power which is assigned to the Jews and wisdom which is also assigned to the Greeks. So he's both power and wisdom. That means he's for everyone. And he has demonstrated himself to everyone. If it is power, Jesus has power. If it is wisdom, Jesus has wisdom. At the age of 12, he surprised the doctors in the temple. Do you remember? 
they were surprised at the level of his wisdom. So whatever they were looking for in Jesus, he still had it. He still had it. And this morning, I want you to know whatever you're looking for in Jesus, he has it. He will demonstrate anything you desire from him. If you want healing, there's power to heal. Oh. I say if you want healing, there is power to heal. If you want promotion, there is power to elevate you. If you want to know more about God, he will help you know more about God. If you follow his teachings, you will know more about God. Whatever you need, Jesus is both power and wisdom to us. So ladies and gentlemen, the joy of good tidings, it is fearless joy. Number two, it is, help me, everlasting joy. Number three, it is targeted joy. And lastly, it is demonstrative joy. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazo Tachero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.